Team Mercier. We come to bury you into the ground. Another year, another fantasy season. This season started with so much promise. Stefan Diggs in the first round. Joe Mixon in the second. T. Higgins in the third. Wait, that's two back-to-back Bengals, but there's more. Joe Burrow in the fourth. Three straight players on the same team. And what happened? Cool Joe Burrow out in the preseason. But that didn't stop your team. As you started out the season three and two. Thanks to one man and one man only. Kirk Cousins. Now Kirk took your team like he did the Vikings back from the dead. But you just could not get any sort of consistency going. Two wins there, two losses there, two wins, three losses, all over the board. And that was pretty much the microcosm of your season. Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford. I'm sure there was another quarterback in there somewhere as well. Now you hit on some of your picks. Brandon Ayuk in the seventh, somehow drafted after Brandon Cooks. David Montgomery in the eighth. We remember that stretch of David Montgomery. We remember Blake saying that David Montgomery would not be the Jamal Williams. But he was wrong. And David Montgomery was the Jamal Williams, perhaps even better. But over the course of the season, that consistency, that word, just never came true to your team. And it came down to one week. You against Blake to make the playoffs. Some decisions were questionable, really came down to that number one pick, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is the ultimate loser on the Vikings watching the Saints run it in and go on to the NFC championship game. Watching Patrick Mahomes beat him with 15 seconds left on the Bills. So just remember that next year. Stefan Diggs, if you have him, your team will lose. Team Mercier, we'll see you next year. Perhaps with a different team name, perhaps not. This is the Northside Story Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 13th. We're creeping into the holiday season. I am your host, Blake the Cat Miller, joined by always my best friend, my podcast host, my commissioner of the Northside league jake baki jake how are you doing i'm doing great we are two days away well actually you're two days away i'm three days away from a nice little vegas trip where i will not have to worry about fantasy football actually that's a lie to my two other leagues i am in the playoffs um third place at each just missed out on the buy so i will be watching this week with um probably a lot of money on the line as well as fantasy um a lot on the line for fantasy. Do you get people like people within like your social circle and you like tell them, Oh, I'm going to Vegas. They're like, again, cause like I get it all the time. Like you're going to get, didn't you just go? I mean, it's like the entertainment capital of the world. And we're going up there for, yeah. look, if California would have sports books around, then we wouldn't probably go to Vegas. It's very, it's yeah. that simple. All I need is a place to place some bets, some nice chairs, and big mm-hmm. screen TVs and some yeah. privacy, essentially. Like, I don't want to have to fight for a spot to relax. You know, the anywhere in Vegas, you can go to a sports book. Some are better than others. But if they would have had this in California, if they would have just, you know, passed some of those laws to where people can respectfully gamble, um, or sorry, responsibly gamble, then we wouldn't have to go out to Vegas. Um, we are going up there for UFC. Well, not we. I, 
Uh, we'll be going up there for UFC 296. So I'll be up there. Jake is going to be up there well betting, uh, looking at games. I will be stressing out um, my fantasy playoffs because I am in the fantasy playoffs in this league. We have six teams that advance. Getting the first and second round by will be Nick and Shane's team, followed by Trey, Steph, Brian, and myself. Jake, question for you. Um, You want to rank? I want you to go 6-1 to one odds on winning the championship as odds we stand today. Odds on winning the championship. Okay. Um, I will do... Six at number six, it will be Brian's team. Um, wow, that's a shocker, actually. At all the percentages, Brian, I think, has a two percent chance at winning the fantasy championship. Um, okay. I will go number five. I will go to this is going to be a shocker. I'm going to go with Trey's team at number five. Um, because if I, I do think if he wins, he has to play a Shane, which I think he will lose. So I do think Trey has a shot, but I'm going to put him at five. I'm going to put your team at four. Um, and that is because if you do happen to beat Trey, in my opinion, Nick's team is worse than a Shane's. So then you would play Nick um, because you are the lowest seed. So I'm going to go then your team at four. I'm going to go Steph at three. Um, and because I do think she's going to beat Brian, um, and I mean, I'm going to give like just gave away my prediction for that matchup. But um, Steph at three, because I think that she has a good team. She has the ability to win this week going forward. She could play Nick's team. Um, and I think that would be an actual a great matchup between those two teams. And then I would go Nick's squad at two since he does have the bye. And then I would go a Shane squad at number one. He is my favorite. Um, I'm a betting man. I would put my money down, put the mortgage down on a Shane's team. We're going to go over all the matchups that were last week that set the groundwork for the playoff matchups. I don't sound very animated, but I cannot wait to talk about my upset and my big win over Sam. We're going to get into those matchups. We're going to get into the playoff matchups, make our projections, and we're we're going to start with that right now. Ready, Jake? Let's do it. Going over the matchups week 14, we had some uh, some interesting options here. One of the more, I, I mean, the biggest blowout of the week was Rum Runners. We talked about Rum Runners coming into this week, needing to put up a big performance so he can lock down that buy spot. He did that. Um, I was completely wrong on this matchup. I saw spoiler all over this. I took the Red Cross squad. But Nick's been here in the pod. He, he corrects us any chance he can get when we say anything bad. One of those things that I kind of, Harped on his team was Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott went off 23 points. Not, I mean, he was, he was accurately inefficient in the rushing game, but uh, what he was able to do in the passing game and a couple touchdowns that he had really propelled his team. This overall big points, 137 to 61 against Phil. Just when he thought Phil was already dead, he just stumbled <laughs> to the finish line with all. This was uh, payback in week five. It was basically yeah. the opposite score. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and, and two, a much bigger score could have happened for Nick's team. Nick's team, mm -hmm. honestly, now that he's on the bye, he, he gets a bye, he can kind of reassess his quarterback room. He has struggled this year uh, a bit if it's health or if it's just lack of uh, production at his quarterback room, which is Sean Watson. Now he's kind of going through it a little bit with Jared Goff. Jared Goff only six points this past week. Um, he gets a bye. Hopefully, uh, Detroit Lions get a little bit of reset because that was an offense that was producing at a high level. I did I did see before we hopped on here that he is picking up Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is going to be going up against the Niners this week, but that following gets following week gets a game against Chicago. So probably an upgrade. Um, but it's all Nick needed to do to get the win in this matchup and secure that first round bye. Yeah, and Nick's team is uh, the last two weeks. I've I've put it together. I mean, one fifty six two weeks ago, and then one thirty seven this past week. Um, and this was a team that was struggling for points basically since week three. Um, he hadn't crossed over 112. Um, so this is the time that it's like, this is a perfect time for Nick. It's nice to have that buy, of course, but he's going to be in the final four and we'll see if his team can continue those points. Um, I will say just the guys that have really shown out, it's been Debo. It's been Michael Pittman. 
And it's kind of been just a mix of some other guys that have been consistent. Travis Etienne has had a nice uh, couple back-to-back weeks, both of them being in the 15-point range and just getting guys guys to add. So it's a good spot for Nick to be in and secure that bye. Um, heading in to another matchup with some um, just kind of like uh, some a lot on the line. We have a Shane and Brian, a Shane with a 124 to 90 victory. Now a Shane needed a win and some help by Trey in order to get a buy spot. Uh, we'll touch on Trey's matchup after this, but a Shane ended up getting that buy with that win over Brian. Now Shane's team at 124, looking at some of those points. Um, now going forward, it's nice to have that buy because Keenan Allen, who was one of his um, consistent performers over the course of this fantasy season is going to be out uh, tomorrow's game, Thursday night football, but out for the first week of playoffs. So it's big for a Shane to get that by not that he necessarily like, it's not a huge hit to him only because he does have a lot of um, a lot of depth in Puka or Nico Collins, but Nico Collins is a little banged up. And so, you know, that Puka would have slid in for Keenan, but looking at the rest of his squad, a lot of consistency. Um, Raheem Mostert continues to be a touchdown machine. He really wasn't doing much until that fourth quarter where he had back-to-back rushing touchdowns. Derrick Henry had two rushing touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had a lot of yardage, no touchdowns, but still 15.8. Um, didn't hit projections, but you know it is Christian McCaffrey, so his projections are always going to be so high. And then Brock Purdy, um, once again, just very consistent in that 20 to 25-point range. Why is why is Jared Everett on this team? I know he's a big Charger fan. Is he just flexing at this point? Uh, I mean, Dalton Schultz being out, Darren Waller on his IR, and Mike Mark Andrews on his IR. So he's just trying to find any tight end that is going to give him any points whatsoever. Yeah, that seems to be one of those weak points of his team. He's got a team of consistent players. Um, it does stink if there's going to be any injury to QB Sneak's team. It's going to be the wide, wide receiver position because, as you mentioned, flush with, with running back depth. Chris McCaffrey, Derrick Henry has been great ever since I traded him. Continue to add that nugget. So when you're looking at options, like you mentioned, Pukunakua, looking at Nico Collins. He has a buy this week. Uh, it would have been nice because Puka Nakua has got a nice matchup next week against the Commanders and then at home again against the Saints, who's who put up 20 points on uh, on someone's bench. I think it was Nick's bench. Nick. Uh, yeah, so I, I've i watched all those games. There's a bad defense, so at least uh, if you're going to be starting Puka Nakua or maybe getting a, a an injury upgrade from Nico Collins while he the Keenan injury is brutal. We don't know what's going to be the situation next week, but if he's out for an extended time, he's got options. We're going to talk about Fitch's team as well, because that's a playoff team. Um, 90 points, a little bit of a struggle. Struggles definitely came from his team comes from Philadelphia Eagles. They went up against the Dallas Cowboys, and they just got shellacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, J- Jalen Hurts, eight points. Jondre Swift, three points. I don't know what... No, I kind of know what the deal is to Jondre Swift. Jondre Swift not getting those big explosive plays last two weeks has been averaging right around three, maybe low end or high two yards per carry um, carry amounts rather low. And we're looking at the last three weeks combined, uh, but in those last three weeks, he scored under 10 points we're looking at 14 carries six, and 11. That's a big difference from when we saw week two at 28, even like week five against the Rams where that was kind of a close game. He had 17. The touches aren't there. They're getting a healthy backfield again. And this is a team that, especially these last couple of weeks, they've been behind. And mm-hmm. he's not a guy that the, he's going to be in the backfield when they're behind. It's going to be Kenneth Gainwell and a little bit more of exposed, a little bit more of a dynamic back. That DeAndre Swift, while I think he is, obviously, but for some reason in this offense, they're going to use him more as a bruiser back. James Cook gets back on the board at 22 points. Um, that's just James Cook. James Cook really was faltering um, about week six, looks like, to week nine. And that was kind of the moment when you and I were like, all right, here's the Buffalo Bills running back situation again. But th- while they're not in the similar situation that they have been in years past, there's something with the Buffalo Bills later in the season. Usually when it gets to the colder weather months when they're playing at home and it's just freezing, the w- weather's terrible, or they really rely on the running back room. They got a good running back with James Cook. Um, that's a team that's also predominantly uh, is in – I guess they already have like the division locked up, so they're usually like preserve, preserving Josh Allen. That's not the case this year. I still, I still think they're going to continue to throw. But like I said, colder weather months in these uh, East Coast 
East Coast location. James Cook's going to be involved. Um, Justin Jefferson is another major point. Uh, made his debut back after this long injury, but still was beaten up. There's some questions, I believe, on his availability coming in this mm-hmm. weekend. I don't, I don't know what the situation is because I do think they have an outside chance at a playoff spot. I think if he's somewhat healthy, they're going to let him go. But while during that injury, they were very adamant on his um, injury status, make sure that he's 100%. Him getting banged up and kind of having that kind of subpar outing, it'd be interesting to see the direction that they go. Um, 90 points as a whole. You look at the bench. I, you get big performances from Deontay, Deontay Johnson. And by big, it's 13 points. Blew out his projections. That's why I think it's big. And then Zay Flowers, who looks pretty dynamic against the Rams. But all in all, I don't think you make any changes to his starting lineup. I guess maybe Gus Edwards, if you're looking at yeah, this trend. I would. Yeah, you're looking at the trend of him not cashing on these touchdowns, which kind of ballooned his RB right currently right now, like an RB2 status. Um, you may have some questions against some uh, kind of tough matchups. I mean, on the road against Jacksonville, then on the road against San Francisco, um, where I, I don't know where you go. Keaton Mitchell definitely has been involved more. Um, he's not someone that um, he's not someone that uh, is going to take the backfield by storm because of how um, they use Keaton Mitchell in terms of getting to the outside. The opportunities really haven't been there for Gus Edwards. So that's definitely a decision that you make. And like I mentioned with, with a Shane's team where it's a bummer um, the depth that in uh, the, the depth that he has in wide receivers um, he, he has some answers, but not like surefire answers. Like if a running back went out, he can just bring in Brees Hall and he'd be good to go. Mm-hmm. But um, same thing with Fitch. If you're going to be making a decision at running back, you got DeAndre Swift has been, has, has some question marks and you're going up potentially against some tough opponents. And you're looking at guys like Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier, um could win you a week when arthur smith decides to give him the ball randomly it seems like but um aj Dillon, you're not rolling out with much confidence 8.8 points last last week against the giants but he's got some decisions but uh and he's got to make them quick well let's hold on a second we we don't want to use all of what we have to talk about brian's team because brian we have to talk about still with against steph but we're just talking about what took place this past week. I, so, I kind of forgot where I was going there. It's one yeah, of those plain you're, you're good. So, so a Shane gets that second seed and yeah, we'll touch on Brian's team and what decisions he has to make when we talk about his matchup with Steph as he stays at the fifth seed um, because of points. And then we'll move over to Trey really quick and we'll talk about his uh, before we get into your matchup. But Trey has choked and this is something that I have kind of talked about over the course of the last six to seven weeks, I still think Trey has a very good team. However, it has been at times very dependent on two players. And if those two players aren't necessarily hitting their projections, if they are injured, um, I actually you know what I'll say three because Josh Jacobs is, is one I think we can talk about as well. But Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs and Tyreek Hill, all three of them didn't hit their projections. Now, Josh Allen was very close to his. But we're used to Josh Allen having 26, 27, 28. We're used to Tyreek getting in the 20s, 25. And we've been used to Josh Jacobs um, pretty much hitting his uh, hitting 20 points every so often. And when those three combine for those 20 to 25 points, it's very hard to beat Trey's team. However, last four out of the five weeks, now there was a week where he played Nick and he scored 150 and lost, which is always tough. But the last four out of the five weeks, he's got a loss. And you're looking at a team that I think is very vulnerable right now because of injuries, because of where they're at in the schedule and whatnot. But Trey losing this week bumped him down to the number three seed. So a big ma- a big um, upset with Phillips. Uh, Phillips gets the win, 93, and Trey scores a measly 68. And you talk about uh, heading into the playoff circuit, getting that third seed. You're going up uh, against an owner as we go to the next matchup. We're going up against an owner that just scrapes by. Uh, we've been saving it because we obviously did the intro. We we buried Sam's team, and I was just biting my tongue, wanting to talk about my team. My team, the cat, literally the all caps nine lies, was able to get a victory over Team Mercier 112.36 to 113.92. Um, my team inspires no confidence. I put up 113. We talked about uh, this matchup last week of being uh, close. We thought projections, whoever hits projections is probably going to win. Um, 
and both teams hit projections. Both teams went above. It was a nail biter all the way to the end. It came down to Monday Night Football. It came down to came down to the combination for me of Jalen Waddle and Saquon Barkley and the Packers defense. It's a little touch and go yo yo for a little bit with uh, Saquon Barkley and that Packers defense when Saquon was scoring. The Packers defense was going down. It's always sketchy um, matching up one of your top players with your with your uh, defense, but. That's how the cookie crumbles. Uh, I could have made it a lot easier on myself just playing Brown's defense, but I wanted to get it the hard way. And did I get it the hard way? And what a heartbreaker for Team Mercier here. Yeah, and it was crazy because your points all came at the exact same time. Um, You were down by like eight or nine with about six to eight minutes in each game, left in each game. Um, And Saquon had a drive where they were up by... What was it like five or six points, whatever they were, they were up by and they were just trying to run Saquon and get clocked. Saquon at that time had, I think it was like 14 carries for 28 yards. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He had the two touchdowns were of course are huge for fantasy, but he had nothing, no efficiency on the ground. And then all of a sudden you, you being down eight or nine fantasy points, he rattled off. I think it was like 50 to 60 yards on the ground. Um, And a lot of it came in that big 30 to 40 yard run which then he fumbled, but also it canceled each other out because you had the Packers defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, as that was happening, Miami had the ball um, da- up by, it might've been actually tied. I think it was tied. No, they were where, where I got the win and they were, they were losing because they were, they were losing. It was right after it was right after one play because it, it went back to back check downs like them just trying to move the ball. They were giving up the middle of the field. And that's literally where Jalen Waddle is. Jalen Waddle is sitting in the middle of the field. This team, this offense is so dynamic where they're looking. Well, you saw when Tyreek Hill went out, they went Cedric Wilson. This is a team that they, uh, even though they were down their center, uh, Connor, Connor Williams, I believe they were, they were down a lot of their offensive line, but even still then I thought, okay, pass rush is going to get there. Jalen Waddle's kind of the guy. Jalen Waddle gets no separation. It literally took kind of end of the game, um, prevent prevent defense, don't let anything go over the top. Jalen Waddle got two back to back check Yeah, downs. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna no, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there. I'm looking at it right now. It was tied okay. 13 to 13 with um eight minutes left in the game. Um they were trying to get down the field, one catch, waddle for 15. There was a penalty, and that's why it was. It seemed like a checkdown because it was second and twenty. Yeah, and then it was like a fifteen-yard catch. Then, then they punted, and that's when there was that muff punt. Miami scored, and then there was that muff handoff. Miami scored again. Yeah. So yeah, Miami was uh, tied at that point, um, but these all happened right at the same time. So in our chat, of course, we are. You know, you tried the jinx, Sam. I tried the jinx, you. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't, all, I literally, all, tipped no, my no, don't, don't even say that. It's, it's never over until it's over until um, next, as it's over. Then, you know, t- there was also a point on Sunday to where we all pretty much thought you were going to lose. <clears throat> and then two touchdowns happened at the exact same time as well with Cortland Sutton getting a 45 yard bomb over Michael Davis in that chargers game. And George Kittle, who was pretty much silent the entire day, until he hit a 35 or 40 yard uh, catch and run in that Niners game. So those two were huge. Um, you know, your team with a 113 performance, the best, I think, performance you've had since you went on your two game win streak, uh, yeah. where you dropped like 140 in each week. Um, and yeah, I mean, none of these decisions came back to bite you in the ass. The Cleveland Browns instead of the Packers, of course, hindsight is 2020, would have been a, better decision, but you know, it didn't necessarily matter. And then you look at Sam's team really quick. Stefan Diggs with four points is what killed her. I um, think that is the, one of the most disappointing. I, cause you look at it, like looking at his, uh, his real recent weeks, ever since week 10, four points, four points, yeah. a big one against Philadelphia, then a buy and then four points. So yep. pr- practically five weeks, she had a dead player, just someone four out of the five weeks, like yeah, she and, had you know, zero she drafted, points drafted him in the first round. Of course, um, yeah. he is seventh overall He's what you expect to be at least a top three. If anything, a top five wide receiver. And he's just, yeah, I mean, he's number eight right now. 
Um, but he's been very disappointing as of late. However, the Bills have turned it around um, and have kind of, you know, have, have won um, as of late. They're, they're charging forward. So, you know, that's something to watch as far as for Josh Allen to see, you know, his production is still pretty much there. Um, but James Cook is also someone that's kind of getting more involved for that offense. But the rest of her squad, I mean, Joe Mixon had a great day still. Matthew Stafford had a, a very good day. That's one that kind of surprised me on the road in bad weather. Um, that was a high-scoring game. game. Um, Brandon Ayuk and Joku went off. Um, I thought I thought for sure watching David Njoku just rip me apart. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? This is karma. This is all those <laughs> yeah. all those jabs of me saying David Njoku, David Njoku. And I, mean, I fucking love David Njoku. But watching him just just smoke my team and then like her not playing pat who like heading into the heading into the start of the season she always had fryer in so i was even obviously heading into thursday not seeing um him on the starting lineup and seeing Najoku. i'm like that's interesting like mm-hmm. but seeing that it was a great play seeing that obviously she has the force she had the foresight of of knowing that joe flacco and David Njoku connection is one of the strongest connections Cleveland has ever seen that yeah. um, seeing him go off of that. I, I know anything can happen. And obviously, as we see here, I win by less than a point. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure. Once I saw that outing, I was like, I, I don't see a lot of guys on my team that can put up, put up points replicable to that. Given what I assumed David Njoku was going to get for her. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say, um, you know, I play, I would play Zach Moss over someone like Rasheed Rice or even a T Higgins or Madison. I think that's a fine play. There's nothing you can look back. I am very skeptical on the Cowboys over the Colts. Now, of course we can say that um, because of this score, but the Dallas Cowboys defense is still an extremely good defense. I get it. They had just given up on that Monday night against Seattle. I guarantee you if that game wasn't the week before she would have played the Cowboys defense Um, because the Seattle Seahawks, I believe dropped a minus three on the Cowboys uh, for defensive purposes. And I just think that it's one of those things where you see that happen and you have this bad taste in your mouth and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to get burned again. Dallas has, I mean, mean, I can look right now. I'm going to assume that they have not had back-to-back negative performances for their defense. Um, They had a two-week stretch. Week three, they had negative one, and then they dropped 26 points, and then they had a negative two the next week. I get Uh, it in the sense that Philadelphia is an offense, but this is a home game, and I don't believe there has been, uh, besides Seattle, right, there has not been – another negative performance besides Seattle. I mean, and yeah, you can a- like dive through like the stats and like, or you can just play like, yeah, bystander, like think back, like all this season, you maybe say Seattle and then you say Arizona. Those are the games where I can like, remember not looking at fantasy stats where I'm like, yeah, you know what? The defense kind of got exposed there. So San Francisco was the other one, but that was on the road. And, yeah. and I actually think that even at home they would get exposed, but San Francisco is a different beast. Philly has not really, their defense has been bad. Their offense has been okay. But still, I, I just it's one of those where it's hard for me when you have the number one ranked defense and you sit them for the Indianapolis Colts. And it's not like the Colts defense is anything to write home about. Now, again, have it. you looked at their stats? I, I'm looking at them right now. Okay. I was going to see if I was going to ask yeah. you before you look at see. them right now. I just it's still one of those things. I don't know. It's the number one. It's the number one defense. Like to me, it's one of those things. It's at home like you're in. It's a primetime game. Those are always kind of low scoring, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's it's and you're talking about the Colts to go on the road. You know, they're, they're looking at their last stats. Yeah, like Carolina, worst team in the league. Yeah. New, Orleans, uh, New England, second worst team in the league. Uh, Tampa Bay, sure, eleven points. That's not bad, but it's also Baker Mayfield. Tennessee at Tennessee, not bad, but that was a special teams disaster. That's not going to happen every single week, right? So Cincinnati, we just watched them. You know. On Monday night, Jake Browning going up against Jacksonville, dropping, what, 31 points against the Jags, who have a decent defense. Yeah. So to me, it was just one of those things where it's like very, very much like an in a prisoner of the moment kind of decision, um, because I can guarantee you not. I can guarantee you would have started the Dallas Cowboys defense instead of the Green Bay Packers. 
Yeah, um, no, definitely. I the way that I look at this, I saw desperation in this pick. I saw that. I saw that, like you mentioned, you, you had the Dallas Cowboys that have kind of carried carried you one weeks for you, depending on how efficient they have been with their turnovers, Jerron Bland, and all those pick sixes. They had a bad week, and then you're looking at this Colts team where, for some reason, there were there was a portion early in the season you would want to line guys up against the Colts. We saw them yep. play in like monster games, but you you're pouring through the stat sheet and you see these high averages and. It's one of those decisions where obviously it was close, but it's one of those decisions that it seems like rather than Sam sticking tried and true with like what got her here, what got her to a win and get in situation with this Cowboys defense that can just go off regardless of the team, just like how they're set it and forget it players. At this point, Dallas is a set it and forget it defense. It doesn't matter yep. who they're playing against. They're going to get points. They're going to get turnovers, especially at home, like you mentioned, especially in a divisional matchup. Divisional matches are usually pretty tight. This is one that these guys are fighting for uh, not only first seed in the division, but potentially a buy in the playoffs. So it's not going to be this gangbusters game. And I think she got nervous. I think she was fishing for points here, looking for the high volatility of those Colts that have been on a tear lately. Like you said, bad teams they played against. So mm-hmm. um, did you see what time she picked up the Colts defense? No, I did not. She picked up the Colts defense Sunday morning at 8.45. Oh, this my a, God. This was a, I, I agree with you, this was a decision that was like probably eating at her for days. And it was one of those where you woke up and you were like, you know what? We're just going to do it. And it ended up biting her in the ass. Can you imagine if like I picked up the Colts? Like, and she was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose now. And then, <laughs> yeah. But. It wouldn't have mattered if you picked up the Colts or not, because I actually think the Colts might have had more than Packer. Maybe they had the same. Um, but your team is literally hashtag nine lives. It is. I believe it's got to be on it. They're your eighth life right now. Um, you might have one Technically, more to go. I have one, one more, one more to go next week, um, and we'll jump into those matchups right now. Okay, ready. My team fucking 235 more points than you. That's crazy. Jake is comparing uh, his points for as we start the first round of the playoffs. First round. I just want to say really quick. I, uh, I am addicted to the pain of fantasy football. And Sunday night after the games, I kind of just sat there on my laptop and I was like, I'm not tired. And so I decided to go through every single person's schedule and compared my score each week to theirs. How'd you do, Jake? I was telling Blake this. So I finished six and eight this on this year. Third most points in the league, highest point score individually out of everyone out of one specific game at like 171. I would have the only team that had the correct. And this is why he's the favorite to win, in my opinion. The only team that I would have had the same record is a Shane. If I played a Shane schedule, I would have been six and eight and out of the playoffs. Everybody else, if I would have had your schedule, I would have been two games over 500 or higher. And that hurts. That hurts knowing that I, at the beginning of the year, I pushed randomized because I wanted to change up the schedule. Because whatever reason, when you sign up on ESPN, it gives you the same schedule every single season. And we were playing the same schedule for the last like four years. Pushed randomize, and lo and behold, I got dealt absolute shit. Yeah, you can, no, we're not. We're turn the music off. All right, we are going to get into Brian's matchup first, and I'm going to yep. talk about Brian's mat, uh, team because Blake had already. Um, basically went player by player. Busted uh, my load all uh, over yeah, Brian's team. Right over that, uh, that matchup. But we're going to do the fourth versus fifth team. House Chargarian, Steph's team at number four at seven and seven. Brian's team at number five at seven and seven. Steph, because of the points that she racked up throughout the season. Um, and she's also projected to win this matchup by 14. Uh, 120 this week she is projected which is a solid score and 106.7 a great radio shout out. Uh, I think that's a uh, K rock um, Fitch. Now Fitch's team, in my opinion, I don't see it. 
I, I don't see it this week with Fitch's team. He has been a team that has struggled all year. You're looking at two questionable, your top two guys, besides, of course, Jalen Hurts, at Justin Jefferson and Chris Olave, both questionable entering their matchups. Both have decent matchups, uh, Justin Jefferson against the Bengals and Chris Olave against the Giants. But these are two players that one hit, one route that they run, and they're they're out for the game uh, because this is something that Brian really has no other options. And I'll say Flowers, I think, is what you know Blake kind of touched on when he was talking about them. I personally play Zay Flowers in the flex position over Gus Edwards because Zay Flowers the last couple weeks is a wide receiver that has kind of taken off. Chargers, 20.7. Um, now, of course, he didn't have too many catches, but he did have a long uh, touchdown run. He had actually two touchdowns against the Rams last week, six catches, 60 yards and a touchdown. He's going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is the 26th um, best defense to play against in fantasy. So he is someone that I would put in that flex position. Looking at the rest of Brian's bench, there's no one on here that really excites me that like I need to have them in. Even Deontay Johnson is questionable going into this week. So you're looking at three of his wide receivers with question marks next to their name. James Cook, tough matchup against Dallas. James Cook has been used, though, as both a pass catcher and a runner. So you have to play him uh, because he has shown that promise over the last few weeks. But it's really going to come down to quarterback and running back for the Eagles. Monday night matchup, uh, Philly against Seattle. Seattle's defense is just not not good. And I do think this is a matchup that Brian's team can, uh, Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift can both really benefit from. Um, we watched, now Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. And we watched him on the very first play of last week, take off for 74 yards. I'm not sure if DeAndre Swift has that in his game anymore, but uh, McCaffrey with 150 rushing yards last week, DeAndre Swift can get, um, you know, I, I do believe this is a game that Swift can get up to 100. But after that, with Hurts, um, I do think this is going to be a high-scoring game, so I think that's going to benefit Brian. But I'm very, very, very concerned about that Justin Jefferson injury knocking him out last week and Chris Olave. The good thing is, though, both of these teams need to continue to win. And so these players are going to, in my opinion, are going to play because they need to win. This is different than the Chargers, where the Chargers are essentially out of it. Keenan Allen is going to be out. Um, and I'm sure if it was a must-win game, Keenan would give anything that he can to play. But this is these are two matchups that these teams need to win. And this is the only way Brian wins is if these guys have good games, in my opinion. Yeah, there's just a lot of question marks, a lot of injuries, a lot of holes that he can't fill. And when you look on the other side of the coin with House Shargarian and her team, it's... It's a healthy team um, with the injury. You want to hop in? I just want to say that it wasn't a healthy team, right? Steph has lost a lot of players over the yeah. last three weeks. Um, and this is a testament to her depth. She lost Tank Dell. She's lost Ramondi Stevenson. And I believe there was somebody else that perhaps she might have dropped because I feel like um, it's just Christian like Kirk. Christian Kirk. Thank you. Yeah, Christian Kirk out for the basically for the remainder of the season. So you're looking at a team that because she does such a great job of of inputting. And we talked about this the entire season. Steph did a really good job of kind of piecemealing her team together and getting some big wins by adding guys like Kyron Williams, by adding guys like Trey McBride, like adding guys like Adam Thielen when he was doing really well. Um, and so this is, this is a, a job well done by Steph. Um, but I, I also have a lot of question marks on this team too, but I'll let you jump into it first. Yeah, I um, I think right now with her team is pretty much matchup dependent. I think she has a very good team. She's got a very, I think she's got good matchups. I, I like Dak Prescott right now. He's one of those set and forget it quarterbacks that going up against, I guess on the road against Buffalo, you're taking the outdoor weather. That's one of those ones you got to look at the weather report, kind of set you as a baseline for what you're going to be expecting. But the way Dak, Dak is playing right now and Oddly enough, the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing right now, you're not even making a decision. You're going with Dak Prescott regardless of the situation. Um, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler has been a disappointment, uh, currently ranked 25 right now for running backs. But with the injury of Keenan Allen, um, we've seen Austin Eckler been a focal point in this offense as a pass-catching option out of the back um, with a very depleted wide receiver core. You mentioned um, 
not on the pod, but before we started recording, Joshua Palmer may have a chance to get in there. But I see a team that uh, with Ethan Stick that's going to rely on Austin Eckler. They got to rely on the run game. It's maybe some quick jump off, so he's not sitting in the pocket. Don't see a lot of sacks in that game, or unless you see a lot of Quentin Johnson, because I don't know why that guy awoke from the dead. But I think the big ones here are just going to be that tandem of Cooper Cup, Kyron Williams against Washington. Washington has been a sleeve uh, in terms of uh, letting up points to the wide receiver room. Uh, Matthew Stafford has been good as of late. This is a Rams team that's not checking out for the rest of the season. There is an outside chance that they're going to make the playoffs. Their offense has came, came alive as of late. Kyron Williams is Kyron Williams is special, like a special running back. And it's weird because obviously not a household name, but when you watch him play for this team, for this Rams team, they rely everything on him, and he is so elusive. Sometimes you get these running backs that are just so good when they bounce outside. They got that speed. What's unique about Kyron Williams is that he makes all his money in the inside. Going up against um, a Washington team at the start of the year, maybe a little bit of questions because of just uh, Chase Young and how prolific they were coming into this year. Even last year, they were a team that was always on the up and up. Um, kind of just buried in their own division, playing playing up up against like pretty good teams. But this team's been traded. This team's uh, been trading pieces. They've been kind of falling as of late. Um, Tyre Williams just special. I it's just I think it's a plus matchup for him. It's gonna be a plus matchup for Cooper Cup. And then when uh, really I quick think, on Tyron Williams, where do you think he goes next year in terms of fantasy? Um, I'm putting him in Josh. I'm putting him in like Josh Jacobs range. So whatever. Yeah, he's. He's got to be. I actually think he's going to be a, a like an end first when it comes to like a twelve team team. Maybe so 10, you would, 12, would you yeah. take him over? So projecting Henry, him over Derek yeah. Henry. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think I would because I I think he can. I think he's in an offense that that when healthy very much hums and he's he's a guy that can catch passes too. Um, I'm trying to think though, that it feels like an easy one because we're looking at Derrick Henry's ascension because of the. Well, Derrick Henry is number four ranked running back right now, so I think that's very yeah. much like uh, Derrick Henry. I I think well that we can you know we can go we'll talk for hours that about later. how we feel like you gave him up too early because I do feel like he had weeks when you still had him that he was still very good. We'll touch on it in my matchup, but uh, if I didn't make that trade, I wouldn't have Saquon. won. I would take I would take Saquon over him. I think yeah, I think, I, think a, I would take him. I think that's a I think that's a toss up in my opinion. Yeah, but regardless, what a great pickup, and you mentioned it. Just savvy moves, staying attention, being on top of the waiver wire. She was able to pick up him and really counteract a lot of those health issues that you mentioned uh, that she's had to deal with this year. And the last one I want to touch on is just DJ Moore. The healthy DJ Moore with uh, Justin Fields right now has been a diff- difference maker for her team. She has struggled a lot. I would say that's kind of her Achilles' heel as a fantasy football manager. It's always like that third that third wide receiver or that flex spot. She usually is always uh, a manager that's always flipping her roster around, trying to figure out that last piece that kind of can put her over the edge. DJ Moore was drafted as in the sixth round. So you're, you're thinking either wide receiver two or even like a flex spot, depending on how heavy a certain owner goes on positional players. But DJ Moore when healthy and has Justin Fields in the backfield really sets her team apart. Last couple weeks, he's been over, he was over 20 points this past week believe he was in like the high teens this the week before that this offense is moving going up against a tough cleveland team cleveland just got diced a little bit um they actually have been diced uh, um the last couple weeks this this team while they do have that defensive prowess and they still have guys like miles garrett out there that guy's running around with one arm right now i don't know how quickly he's getting into the quarterback justin fields is mobile enough to get out of the pocket and get downfield with dj Moore. but we saw with last week dj Moore. He is efficient either through the air or getting him on like end around runs. So he's a special player when healthy with Justin Fields really sets it apart. But um, I like her team this week. I like I like her in this matchup. Yeah, I also like Steph. I think she's got a solid team. I'm not sure if it's going to, you know, go past this week, but I do think with Dak and Kyron, I think those are two players. I am very skeptical on Austin Eckler. It's actually kind of nice to see his projections like at a reasonable uh, number because I do remember back in the early part of the season, his yeah, projections like were high, like, like almost 20. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that. there's no way that's hitting that. Um, he has been absolutely um, just terrible between the tackles this year, uh, running a lot slower. I do think he's going to benefit. I think you're right. He's going to benefit on some checkdowns and just uh, Easton Stick trying to get the ball out. 
um, and just kind of use his weapons around him. Um, there was a report that came out Saturday um, or maybe Sunday morning that uh, Brandon Staley said that they're going to give other running backs more opportunities as well. Well, Josh Kelly got three carries and Isaiah Spiller, the other guy, only had a handful. Austin Eckler still had 10 um, and they basically were down the entire game. So they were trying to throw the ball. But he also had five catches for 50 yards. So I think um, you're looking at Eckler. He's a prideful person. So it's not like, you know, he's just going to like, oh, we're out of the playoffs, essentially, like not going to try for it. He's going to want to win this game. So I uh, I do think he has a and I think Steph's going to start out you know, pretty good tomorrow. Um, but yeah, the rest of her, her squad, I do think DJ Moore, Trey McBride, Chubba Hubbard. I'm a little skeptical on Hubbard, but Hubbard's actually been pretty good as of late. Um, you're looking at 10 points, 22 points, 17 points the last three weeks. So, you know, those are three weeks that are over 10. That's kind of what you would want out of a flex position. Um, Atlanta's kind of a sneaky, good run defense team. Um, and this is a divisional game and, you know, Atlanta definitely needs to win. So I am a little skeptical on that, but I'm not entirely sure how to play. I, I think there is a question between Jalen Warren and, and Hubbard um, in the sense that we watched Joe Mixon pretty much have a, a pretty damn good game um, against the Colts. Even Chase Brown on the Bengals have a good game against the Colts. I believe he had like a 30 or 40 yard screenplay for a touchdown. Yep. Um, and so I, you know, Jalen Warren to me is someone in that same vein fast shifty guy that can catch passes. Um, and so that's a, that's a question mark. Um, in uh, the last three weeks, haven't been anything special. You're looking at less, you're looking at six points or less the last three weeks each week, but the weeks prior to that, you're looking at 24, 18 and 12. So, um, and this is a game that Pittsburgh has to win. They need to continue to win. So this is a big game for playoff implications. Both of these teams, I believe have the same record or they're at least one game um, separating each other. So, that's a tough one to me, and I'm not going to lie. Um, I think it's going to be a very close matchup. Um, and I, I could see, knowing Steph and knowing her decision-making and the kind of the unluckiness she's had over the course of the last few seasons in our league, uh, I, for some reason I just feel like this decision between whether she plays Hubbard or Warren, I wouldn't be surprised in Vegas if we get a text asking, well, who should we, who should she play? I'm not helping her. I'm sorry. This is a fantasy football playoffs. I don't even want to hear it. We'll get into your matchup and you asked him that same question last week. Um, but I will take Steph we uh, Steph to win as well. I have I just haven't been a fan of Brian's team all season long, um, even with Justin Jefferson. And so I will take Steph's team to beat Brian. Just notice Brian's team's rolling out the Lions defense, twenty eighth ranked Lions defense going up against Denver. That's just ridiculous. I'm also gonna take Steph's team. I have complete confidence in Chubba Hubbard. When you look at the production that he's had the last three weeks, you can point to the firing of Frank Wright and that coach, uh, the coach Frank Wright. And the first or second week, I believe, well, where he started going on this hot streak, uh, Miles, Sanders, Miles Sanders was not in the picture. And that was a focal point for this offense and for the head coach to give Chubba Hubbard more room to run, um, seeing the prowess in him. Uh, Miles Sanders did come back this last week, serve as a complimentary role to Chubba Hubbard. Chubba Hubbard, we've always said it, if he gets room to run, he can be decent. Um, this isn't an absurd matchup against Atlanta. Um, it's pretty much a rock fight. I feel like they're just both going to run at each other. Chubba Hubbard is going to get the volume. I'll take that over proceed value I'll get out of Jalen Warren because it's a Najee Harris night uh, in Indianapolis. So I'm going to taste how Shark getting in this matchup. All right, our other matchup of the this would be the quarterfinals. We have the cat hashtag nine lives in sixth place, seven and seven, against the notorious nine and five Trey's team, third place. Where do you want to start? You want to start with your team? Do you want to start with Trey's team? Um, well, let's start with Trey's team because it's pretty interesting what he's going through with potential injuries, potential guys not playing this week. I'm fascinated in where you would rank TJ Hawkinson going into this week when he's got he's on his fourth quarterback. What do you do with Josh Jacobs? What do you do with like Jacoby Myers who had a stinker? 
and Isaiah Pacheco, who's banged up. He's just got so many issues with his lineup. Yeah, this is by far the worst Trey's team has looked all year um, in the sense of you're looking at a Josh Jacobs, who I think is extremely questionable. I would be surprised if he plays tomorrow. You're looking at a Tyreek Hill um, who, you know, Tyreek throughout the season has gotten hurt, but has kind of returned right away. This was one where he was out for two and a half quarters, essentially, and yeah. came back and played two drives, I believe, and caught a couple passes, big plays, but that was it. Um, and so uh, to me, like, it doesn't matter who Tyreek goes up against. He went up against the Jets like three weeks ago and still had 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, but it definitely is somewhat of a, kind of a, a question mark regarding who he's going up against plus his injury. Um, this is a physical Jets team. This is a, this is a secondary that is going to want to bump him around, is going to want to, you know, when he gets the ball, is going to want to twist those ankles. Um, and that's concerning. And then you're correct. TJ Hawkinson, fourth, uh, fourth quarterback. I would not want to be in that position. You're looking at three weeks, uh, two weeks ago, he did have, or I should say three weeks ago, cause they had a buy. He did have a touchdown with the, against the bears. Um, but the other two weeks sandwiched in seven points and 7.8. That is tough going forward. Jacoby Myers. I would not be playing Jacoby Myers. However, when you look at his bench, the only player that I would feel comfortable in this moment because of injuries is Tyler Lockett at home against Philadelphia. Um, so this is tough um, because Jacoby Myers has been a player this year um, that you're not sure what you're getting. He started out the first seven weeks pretty damn good, and you were and we were both like, all right, like let's see what he has. But ever since then, he's only had two games over ten points. Um, and th that's tough going forward. Now he does play a Chargers defense that does give up a good amount of points through the air, but it's also Aiden O'Connell. And it's not like it's someone that is going to be throwing the ball over the place. Even Russ last week, uh, Russ last week, he had a nice throw to Cortland, but Russ is an experienced quarterback. And in my opinion, Cortland Sutton is better than Jacoby Myers. So this is a, this is a very hard week for Trey. He needed that buy, in my opinion, um, because I think if he were to get that buy and a couple of these players would, um, you know, if they sat out another week, then you're looking at a much better situation. Isaiah Pacheco is definitely one that I'm looking at that. If he is playing, I'm getting him into the lineup because I'm not playing Jacoby Myers. Um, but if Josh Jacobs is out and Pacheco is out, this is going to be ugly, in my opinion, um, because I think you you might have caught Trey right at the right time. I will say that, but I will say, though, he is going against the the worst, probably the worst team, statistical team in terms of points for. I have known I've been known for dropping big weeks. Um, he does have a bunch of question marks, but he's got guys that have been producing pretty well. I'd be pretty confident in Rashad White against Green Bay. He's been like crazy efficient ever since week seven he hasn't scored less than 12 points that's insane high carry count something that Rashad White was an interesting one six round pick I think if you were if you were hopping into fantasy football for your first time and you went into the draft and like Rashad White wasn't the sexiest names you don't if you weren't following Tampa Bay actually if you're following them last year and the years prior seemed like a guy that was just buried on the depth chart um Obviously had talent. They kept him around. They obviously saw a vision for him um, as a bell cow because while the coaching and the offensive guys have changed in that in that coaching staff room, it's always been it's always been passed down from um, Bruce Arians, and then it went to why am I blanking on his name right now? So he's been involved in that coaching tree. It's prime for a position like he is doing right now, being the bell cow, catching a lot in the backfield, and this recent stretch that he's been going on is no fluke. So I think he definitely saw something with his favorite team that he loves drafting Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rashad white. So even if you get a not so healthy Josh Jacobs and, or if he's out or if he's in and he's rather limited, Josh Jacobs still against the chargers defense 
uh, in a game that I think I think the Raiders are going to win this game. That if you get a healthy Josh Jacobs, maybe if it's 12, 12 carries or or fifteen carries compared compared to like his usual twenty five, I'll take that as just baseline because when you're going up against my team, you're 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 hoping for about a hundred. You can't get these like sixty point stinkers that he had these past couple weeks. But when you got guys like Rashad White, Tyreek Hill is healthy. You mentioned it. He's going up against the Jets. He's already torched this week. I'm inclined to think, though, even with Tyreek Hill, maybe it's wishful thinking that I don't see him, especially coming off a, a rather bad injury. I know this is the big game for Miami because they're in the hunt a bit. They're in the division. They're battling for division title because even though they have it right now, Buffalo Bills, like you mentioned, are playing better football. Um that I see him playing in this matchup against them. Um, but I, I, I kind of see kind of a dud week. Um, I, there's no way I don't see a guy like sauce and how nasty that defense has been being able to, um, get blown out or kind of get the points guard on. I'm more concerned. Um, I would be more concerned, not about Tyreek Hill himself, but I'd be more concerned with the, with the health of the offensive line for Miami, because when we saw in that game last week, Center went out. They lost. Uh, they came into the game without Armstead. Tua looks super uncomfortable, and that pass rush was definitely getting to them. And this Jets defensive line is filthy. They will get after him if there's any sort of a banged up offensive line. Uh, where obviously we saw it at the end of the game, they were still able able to make some throws to Tyreek, but that Tennessee secondary is bad. Like this is a secondary of the Jets that will stick onto him. But if you're getting consistent pass rush that I think that the Jets will get against a depleted Miami line. I'm hesitant on Tyreek Hill. Um, I think you just it, jinxed yourself. I would. I know, I but Hey, I, about as much as, as much as I want to win, I, I, that's, that's the truth of it. That's what I see in this game. And if I, if, if it flips, it flips, but that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And I think when it comes down to trace team, you mentioned it. So two, three headed horse. When we talk about Allen Jacobs and Tyreek Hill, what what sets his team apart when he gets these monster weeks, it's Mike Evans. Mike Evans was held. It was one of those weeks, too, where you're waiting for, like, okay, when's the catch coming? When's the catch coming? And he just never got it last week against Atlanta. Had six targets for one catch, eight yards. Mike Evans looks like the most, like, bored, frustrated guy I've ever seen play football. It, it, it truly looks like he is, doesn't enjoy playing football. Um and coming off a week like that, he is definitely one of those guys that he's not one that I rarely hear barking to the media and saying, like, I got to get my I got to get mine where my catch is, whatever. I bet you this week he corrects it and he gets somewhere back on the path that he's been performing that he's had all this week. The t- touchdown streak of fo- uh, the last four games. And we're looking at um, six, seven in the last seven. So be him being held off the scoreboard, I don't see that happening again against Green Bay. Still a tough game. The Bucks, just like anyone, everyone in that division, um, they're all in the hunt. So this game means a lot to them. It's a big game for them. And for them to win, for them to hold steady with their, that division title, it starts with a win here. It starts with getting Mike Evans back on track. So I see a big game out of him. So I think consistently with his team, while there are, there's some definitely some question marks with injuries, if he's not affected by those injuries, he doesn't have to rely on the bench that's kind of depleted right now. Um, I still see a decent outing. Yeah, I uh, I kind of yeah we I ran through Trey's team as well. Yeah. Um, and let's head over to yours. You know, let's talk about health and let's talk about just the bad news bears. That's the cat. We got a bunch of scrappers on this team, Jake. That's all I had. Anything? I don't have anything about your team. Um, I have a cool stat. Um, we talk about kickers, and we talk about um, we talk about guys that need, especially in like kicking position. You look at Steph's team, that Aubrey guy that's just like nuking yeah, like twenty point bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, last three weeks, one of the more consistent kickers. Uh, I'm saying last three weeks. I'm gonna lump in three weeks, even though it's been the last two. Um. I'm talking about Lucas Havistrick. I don't know why I'm br- talking about him leading off my team. We usually lead off with your top guys. Start off my kicker. Um, points like that going up against a Washington team that has been giving up a lot of points. I see a lot of opportunity there. I like him over Matt Gay. Matt Gay last week looked brutal, dude. I don't know what it was. It was like not a normal Matt Gay day, him going minus six. So 
if there's any matchup that I think I might win in that, it's going to be that because everything else without, without my team, like I said, scrappers. Um, Justin Fields going up against Cleveland on the road, kind of gross. Um, while I said that Cleveland team has stepped back a little bit defensively um, these past couple of weeks, it's still a team that definitely can get to Chicago. Chicago's been decent at home. They're not probably not. They're not scared of playing in cold weather. I don't know what the report is going to be in Cleveland. Um, as long as DJ Moore is healthy, I like my option with Justin Fields. Um, Devontae Williams has been interesting um, as a running back. Uh, there's been spurts, even like last week against the Chargers, where it seemed like he wasn't doing much. But uh, the name of his game is just consistency. In that game, I bl- no, Samaje Piran was maybe I saw in the ticker that he was questionable to play, but he ended up playing. He but played. yeah, it's, it's for for Javante Williams, it's just volume. Um, I believe he got a rather short rushing touchdown that kind of cashed in on that 16 points. Uh, I'm expecting similar going up against a, just a trash Detroit Detroit uh, Detroit uh, defense team. If I had to pick, uh, really their secondary is the issue. Um, the oh, guys up front, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm going up against my running back is going up against probably a little bit of the the better end of that defensive unit, but I'm going to counter that with double Bronco action with Cortland Sutton, who Cortland Sutton has just been. Um, He's like the very poor man's Tyreek Hill. While it seems like as soon as you turn on your app, you're seeing all the notifications for a 60-yard bomb from Tyreek Hill. I'm literally waiting for the entire game for that one touchdown from Cortland Sutton. It's just been mm-hmm. um, at random times throughout this year, it seems like he's been extremely consistent getting a touchdown. Four out of the last five, we can stretch back all the way from week six. He's scored a touchdown um, in every week since week six, excluding a bye and then um, no touchdown against Cleveland in League 12, but been very consistent going up against, like we just said, a very leaky Detroit secondary. I like that matchup there. Um, where where you talked about Tyreek Hill and his health, I do think he's going to play. And oddly enough, well, it's not really oddly enough. I guess since they both occupy two different uh, critical positions in this offense, for Jalen Waddle to be successful, I need Tyreek Hill to play. Because Jalen Waddle makes all of his money, um, whether it's underneath or maybe like second option or um, when the corners are shutting down the outside, Tua can look inside, especially where I'm projecting that that offensive line is still banged up. Maybe that's going to be a little bit shorter routes. When when Tyreek's out, I don't feel like Jalen Waddle is as efficient. And I saw it in that game when he was out for the first two quarters. I was waiting for it, and I was like, all right, Jalen Waddle, Waddle time. Uh, there was a couple of uh, end zone possessions. I'm like, all right, he's got to get open here. He doesn't really he doesn't really have great separation. He's a rather sure hand. Um, I feel comfortable with him as my wide receiver two, even though I have him in the wide receiver one spot. Um, but his he's most efficient when Tyreek Hill's in play, um, especially against his Jets team. I In a situation where Tyreek Hill's out, I do not want their number one, number two, cor- number one corner uh, trailing around Jalen Waddle. I don't think he will because he plays more on the inside. But Jalen Waddle has been uninspiring. And um, the last last note, I just want to talk about my team. I I want to applaud Saquon Barkley because as a first round pick for me in the tenth of the tail end of the round, it has been a roller coaster with this guy. You don't know what you're going to get. You're looking at. A dud week one. We all remember that game in the rain. Comes out against Arizona, just torches him. I lose him for three weeks. I get consistency. I had that crazy game against the Jets where he had 36 carries. And then um, just dud, big week, dud, big week. I don't know what I'm getting out of him. And for me to have any chance in this matchup, it starts with him. It starts with his um, him getting the ball against a New Orleans team that I don't know. I I know what I'm getting out of New Orleans. It's just disappointment. If if I'm if I'm counting on them to win, um, they're gonna lose. If I'm counting on them to lose, they're gonna win. So, um, it comes with Saquon. It comes with Kittle, and it comes with Justin Fields. Those a bit. Those aren't as strong as Trey's big three for me to win and to get anything close to that like 115, 120, which is usually my bread and butter for me to win a matchup. It's gonna rely on those three. Yeah, I think these matchups are, I mean, I mean, if you just look at it, you can tell it's, they're all basically in the red. Um, these are tough matchups for your team. Um, 
and I agree. I think there are, in my opinion, there are three players as well. But my three players for you is that you need a Cortland Sutton touchdown, which he's been very much prone to do. You need a George Kittle 15 to 20 point performance, and you need another Saquon, you know, 20 point performance in order to win your matchup, in my opinion. Um, because I do think Justin Fields is going to struggle to an extent. I don't think it's going to be um, anything crazy. I think a lot of his is just going to depend on how many rushing yards he gets and if he gets a rushing touchdown. Um, because that is what seems to get him in that 20-point range. You're looking at the last three weeks. Um, last week, he was able to get 24 points thanks to a rushing touchdown. The week before that, he did not have a lot of rushing yards. He did not get a rushing touchdown, and he had 10 points. The week before that against Detroit, he had 104 rushing yards and he had 21. So to me, it's going to be all about his legs. Cleveland has a fast defense. They play fast. They have fast linebackers. Um, so in my opinion, I think that's going to be very uh, a tough matchup for Fields. Javante Williams, I'm not super high on him this week. Javante, for the most part, last week um, – was aided by uh, a turnover that happened inside the five yard line. Yes, that's what um, it was. And so Javante then ran it in right after. That's a three yard rush. Um, those don't happen every single week. So, in my opinion, you know, he was still would have had 10 points without that touchdown, but that was a huge turnover, huge momentum swing for the Broncos in that game. And he rushed it in. Um, Detroit does turn the ball over. Goff has turned the ball over a bunch as of late. So perhaps you might get lucky with something like that. But I do think they, they do have a stout run de defense, and so I think it's going to be hard for him to run. I know that you've been kind of back and forth with Najee and Ty Chandler. <clears throat> and so the thing, though, is is that Najee plays on Saturday. Ty Chandler plays on oh Saturday as well. My apologies. I thought I read Sunday. So you'll know whether or not who to play that day, um, which is nice to know. And, yeah, um, I mean, if you want to go into kickers, I, I, I'll take Matt Gay over the Rams kicker. Um, but yeah, a lot of 11s here projected. Um, that's not, you know, that's not a lot. And you're at 106 this week, which is pretty much where I feel like you've been throughout the course yeah, of the season. That's like the magic um, number for my yeah. team. So yeah, this is a matchup that, you know, I, I would think Trey would win just based off of some of these players. Um, but you know what? I'm just going to give it to your team again. I think you have gotten this luck this year with just being able to squeeze past some games to to get in there. Um, do we, either of you have – no, neither of you have a Monday night game. So we'll know um, the end of Sunday, I believe. Uh, neither of you have a Sunday night game. So it looks like we'll know Sunday afternoon. Disgusting. And you're taking my team, Jake? Yeah, I'll take your team. I'm going to take Trey's team. Now, I'm not trying to reverse jinx this. I'm going to be honest. Uh, it's it's evident. It's It really is evident, the performance that my team has been putting in week after week. Um, it seems like Trey and I are always matched up in the playoffs, and he's gotten the better of me. Um, I don't think I have a playoff win against him in my history in this league. I would have to check back and look. But... Um, our last matchup, I blew him out of the water. That was during that little two-week streak. Um, similar situation. He's got the better players. I know he's kind of hurting right now with his health, but I do see some uh, greener pastures with the availability of his players, and I think when they're healthy, I think he has the better potential of hitting that 120 mark, and depending on depending on just the type of output, the kind of big question marks I have with players overachieving, um, that's a feat that I don't think my team can hit because um, it's evident they haven't barely hit that all year. So with that, I'm going to take Notorious to move on to the second round. 